Unleashed Podcast. Welcome to another podcast episode of Unlocked and Unleashed, where we hope to un- unlock your spirituality, your, re- your relationships, and your finances uh, so you can have great success in those areas. I'm your host, none other than Marquise Miller, pastor of Reach Out uh, Ministries, located 114th and Western. And uh, we have two services, one at 9.30 a.m. and another at 12.30 p.m. I hope you come and be my guest. would love to have you. Uh, on today, we're going to be talking about a very, very important topic, and that is the uh, uh, how to get a, a better handle on our finances. And uh, we're going to go even deeper in that and even talk about how, how can we grow our money, right? Everybody, everybody a lot of times uh, want money. Right. And so I want to talk to you a little bit today on how we can grow our money. And I want to talk to you about the psychology behind money. There's a psychology behind money. All right. And uh, the word psychology, I want you to think about what psychology means. The word psychology means the mental and emotional factors governing a situation or an activity. What is psychology again? It is the mental and emotional factors governing, governing a situation or activity. All right, so why is the subject so important? Well, biblically speaking, the scripture, uh, Ecclesiastes 10 and 19, uh, one key part in that verse, it says, money answereth all things. That's Ecclesiastes 10 and 19. Money answereth all things. So I want you to think about this. If it's a thing that you need, if there's a tangible thing that you need, guess what? Money is the answer. If you need a new table, if you need a new microwave, if you need a new refrigerator, if you need some new hair, <laughs> if you need some new eyelashes, money answers all things, right? If it's a thing problem, money can answer it, right? It's not always, uh, uh, somebody say, well, I thought prayer answered all things. Uh, prayer definitely does answer, uh, answers things, but sometimes you wouldn't even have to pray as much if you had some money, because money answers uh, all things. If it's a thing problem, I do want to make that clear. A tangible thing, right? I don't believe money can buy love. I don't believe it can buy it. But if it's a thing that you can touch or something like that, tangible, you, you can buy it, a car. All right. Another uh, scripture I want you to read is Proverbs 22 and 7. And the Bible says in Proverbs 22 and 7, it says the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is slave to the what? You guessed it, to the lender. The borrower is slave to the lender. And I want you to think about this. In what ways is a borrower slave to lender? What ways is a borrower slave to lender? Well, think about this. If you take out a, if you go get a car note, you go get a car loan because you want to buy a new car. Uh, you say a payment on there is $400 a month, right? What's going to happen when you want to go travel? Because many times you can get a plane ticket, a round trip plane ticket if you're going somewhere in the United States for under $400. I know I get plane tickets to Orlando, Florida, round trip for under $400. But guess what happens once you get that car note? When you want to go travel, when you want to go do something, guess what happens? You got to pay that car note. So you can't move with freedom like you want to. Why? Because the borrower is slave to the lender. I want you to think about something else. Another quick question. What's the top two reasons for divorce? Top two reasons for divorce? Uh, uh, Some research says, if you read the research, some research says it's cheating, infidelity. And, uh, and then other research that have number two reason for divorce is money. And then other research you read that have uh, the top reason for divorce, the number one reason is money, and then number two is infidelity. But either way it go, the top two reasons 
for a divorce, money always falls in the top two reasons. And think about it, you stressed out, you don't even wanna look at nobody. You can't even, some of y'all women can't even uh, have a romantic evening with your husband uh, if the money is tight, right? Because it causes people to be stressed out. Uh, another question I want you to think about this. Uh, how many Americans, how many Americans would you think uh, stress, stay up late at night because they can't sleep good because they, they worried about money? Just think about it. Guess. You probably guessed it wrong, but the answer is 65%. 65% according to a uh, NBC uh, article, NBC uh, Today article, is that 65% of us are up stressing about money, can't sleep good, all right? Uh, and I want you to think about this. When it, when it talks about what kind of emotional factors govern the way we handle money, because think about this. Psychology means, the word psychology, because we're talking about the psychology behind money, the word psychology means the mental and emotional factors governing a situation or activity. So what kind of emotional factors govern the way we handle money? And I want, to I want you to think about this. You will struggle in the way that you handle money if, you don't, if, you, if your emotions are not right. I'm going to say it again. You will struggle with the way you handle money a great deal if you're, if you're not right emotionally, if you're not right in, internally, right? Because a lot of times we try to buy stuff to try to cover up the eternal struggles and eternal mess internal mess that we're going through and so i want you to think about this so you may say so how do i know if i'm having emotional problems that's causing me not to be able to handle my money correctly well here's a quick question is does does stuff make you feel better about who you are when you have if you don't have this nice car if you don't have these new pair of shoes if you don't have the name brand stuff does it actually lower your self-esteem if you don't have it or do you still feel like a million dollars when you got on pay less shoes right uh uh so that's one one way you can tell is if you're really struggling with uh 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 the, the way you see yourself and uh you know that you're going to be handling money from the wrong place and you're going to be handling from uh trying to cover up something that you're lacking on the inside is if you're buying stuff to make you feel better if you're trying to increase your self-worth by outward stuff but that's why it's called self-worth because it has nothing to do with outward Right, and then we get that confused. We get net worth mixed up with self worth. Right, net worth and self worth is not the same thing. Net worth means how much stuff do I actually have that's worth money. Right, self worth don't have nothing to do with the stuff I got. It's about how I really feel on the inside about me as a person. And sometimes we allow the external things that we do have to make us feel better and feel like we got more self worth, and we get it confused. All right, another thing is you need to ask yourself is do I go shopping to make me feel happy? When you're down, you're depressed, you go shopping to make you feel happy. Man, you're gonna mess up your bank account. And you probably need to max out credit cards. Because when our emotions are not right, a lot of times it will show in our money management. And that's why I love Christ. That's why I love Jesus, because God has a way of filling all those voids and correcting you on the inside so that you see deeper things and you want deeper things out of life other than just all this material stuff, all right? Another question is, uh, another emotional factor that governs the way we handle money is this, and I want you to think about this. You need to ask yourself this question. Is, do I buy stuff just to compete with others or to impress others? Do I buy stuff just to compete with others or to impress others? If, if the reason why you're buying it is because you're saying, oh, I can't wait till they see how I pull up in this. Ooh, ooh, they gonna think I'm the stuff after they see me. After I, if they see how I rock these new shoes, ooh, wee, I'm gonna have everybody in church jealous. 
everybody gonna be turning their head looking at me like, ooh, wait, who is that coming through with them new pair of shoes or, or, or that outfit, right? If that's the only reason why you getting it, you're letting the wrong, you're letting emotional factors govern the way you handle money. And when you start governing your money like that, you're gonna soon run out of it or you're gonna be in debt. And a lot of times the people that we trying to impress don't even care about us no way. All right, they not impressed. Uh, so I want you to think about this. Sometimes if you got made fun of in school because you didn't have on the right pair of shoes, you know, kids always say, what are those? What are those? You know what I mean? In other words, what kind of whack shoes you got on? If you was that kid who got made fun of a lot in school because your clothes wasn't right, because you didn't have on name brand, what happens is sometimes that can transfer over to your adulthood. And now as an adult, you don't even think about it, but that's an emotional factor. You never even thought about it. Why is that I always feel like I gotta have on name brand? Well, that's because you never got healed and you never, and you just carry no scars from your childhood because everybody made fun of you. So when you got some money, you got a dough, you said, that ain't gonna never happen again. I'm always gonna have the best. But it's keeping you from not having the best because you, you live in paycheck to paycheck because you done maxed out credit cards, you spend all your money on name brand stuff and you don't feel like you nobody unless you got on name brand. All right, and so these are different emotional factors that we have to really think about. A lot of times, a, a, a thing that happens too is a lot of times people, they start thinking, oh, because I struggled so much as a kid or I struggled so much as a young adult, I deserve this. I deserve this because I, I struggle so much, but it ain't about if you deserve it, it's about can you really afford it? <laughs> and I would say, I would even go deeper and say, it's not even so much about what you can afford, it's, a, it's, it's about what you can pay cash. <laughs> for if it's something that you really don't need, all right? And so uh, we gotta get our emotions together. And that's what I love about God. He got a way of really getting your emotions together. Counseling, help you really get your emotions together. Some of us need uh, some of us need a lot of prayer and, and a lot of counseling because we're, we're so messed up emotionally that it's causing, it's affecting our money because we're buying stuff to impress people and we're buying stuff because we felt bad about ourselves as chat and we carried that, that pain over from our childhood and now we gotta have name brand stuff on all the time. All right? And so we still talking about the psychology, the psychology, uh, the psychology behind behind money. Uh, here's a quote that I really thought was interesting. This quote says this. It says, if you took, and I can't remember who who, who said this. It was a book or something I was reading. But it says, if you took all the money in the world, you dividing it evenly, it will soon all end up in the same pockets. If you took all the money in the world and you divided it evenly, this, the it, he, he said that it will still end up all in the same pockets. How in the world would that happen? Well, that's because everybody don't think the same about money. And what, what the writer of that quote is trying to get at is, because some people got a jacked up way of thinking about money, it don't matter. Y'all know 80% of lottery winners end up broke. 80% of them, right? They got, got this big old check, all this money, but they end up broke. Why? Because they thinking, their psychology behind money was never corrected. They probably doing emotional spending or guilt spending, obligation spending, all that stuff. And so they never got to it. So I really wanna kind of switch gears real quick because I really wanna deal with how do I grow my money? And I wanna to talk to you about one way that I'm very familiar with about how to grow your money, all right? And so, uh, I'm gonna to go to the whiteboard. And one word that I feel like is not taught of a lot, of, uh, we don't talk about it a lot, and uh, 
I've actually started teaching my six-year-old this one word. And the one word, the one word I want to talk to you about is this word. My handwriting is not the neatest. Equity. Equity. Alright? Equity. We all uh, may maybe know it as a different word. Maybe you know it as ownership. Uh, sometimes you can own equity in a company. But I really want to deal with this. I want to deal with equity in, in, in houses, in real estate. Okay? And I want to use this example real quick because equity is so important. So the reason why I am so big on home ownership, and I believe that is is you're not setting yourself up for the best financial future for you and your family when you rent for many years is because of this principle of equity. So what happens? So let's use this principle, this mathematical uh, hypothetical situation right here. All right. So the one thing that everybody gotta have is a, a place to live. Everybody gotta have shelter. No matter who you are, what color you are, skinny, short, tall, fat, don't matter. Brush thing, whatever. Everybody gotta have a place to live. All right. So you gotta pay. You're gonna be paying for your place to live no matter what anyway. So let's take this. Let's take a hundred thousand dollars. Let's say you get a house for a hundred thousand dollars. All right. You get a house for a hundred thousand dollars, and your payment may be eight fifty a month. All right, your payment may be $850 a month. Let's say you're on a 30-year mortgage. $850 a month. All right, so you take that, and these are just estimates. All right, let's say $850 a month uh, on a 30-year mortgage. Okay, let's say you live in that house for 10 years. So for 10 years, what are you doing? You're paying $850 a month for 10 years. I wish I had a calculator. Alright? So if you take 12, if you if you're at home, y'all can do it. You can take 12 times 850, because there's 12 months in one year, right? So you take 12 times 850, you times it by 10, you will know the total amount that you've paid over 10 years. Alright? But let's just say for simple simplification purposes, so as example, because I ain't got a calculator, I ain't about to do that in my head or try to write it on the board. Is I want you to think about this. I want you to think, let's say over 10 years, you have uh, made enough payments that they equal to be about $30,000. All right, because you still got interest too. So interest is going to keep that uh, balance from going all the way down real fast. All right. So let's say after you make all these payments for 10 years, you got $30,000 in payments that you've made. So what does that do to your balance? If you bought the house for $100,000, it takes your, you put $30,000 towards principal and interest over 10 years. So now you only owe $70,000 on this house. All right? You only owe $70,000 on this house. So this number, this number right here, this $30,000 right here, that represents equity. That represents the number, the amount of the house that you actually own. Okay, when you're renting, you you never have any equity in nothing. All right, so all right, so that represents the actual number, uh, the number that you actually own in the house, thirty thousand dollars. But guess what? A lot of people we don't think about this. 
Real estate normally rises two to five percent every year in in appreciation. Appreciation just means it increases in value. So in ten years, do you honestly think in ten years your house is still gonna stay worth a hundred thousand dollars? Probably not. If you buy in the right area, the right market, you buy in a good neighborhood, more than likely it doesn't stay at a hundred thousand dollars. None of the properties I, I bought have stayed at the rate that I bought it at. All right, and so so and let's say over 10 years it goes up, and this is not unrealistic either. Let's say it goes up another $20,000. So now your new number, so you bought it for $100,000, but it's went up in value over those 10 years to $120,000, all right? Remember, even though it went up in value, guess what? Your mortgage, how much you own the house still stays the same at $70,000, all right? So what's 120, 120,000 minus 70,000? You got $50,000 in equity. And, 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 and what if in 10 years, if it goes up in more? But I just did a very, very conservative number over 10 years, did, did 20,000. But I've seen property shoot up higher than that over 10 years, all right? So you got, you got $50,000 right here in equity. Equity is how much do you actually own in that house. So this is what people do. And this is why home ownership is so important in helping you build wealth and building some money and leaving a legacy for your kids' kids. Is you go to your bank, you can even go to, uh, matter of fact, Mid First Bank gives you 90% of the equity that's in your home. 90%. So 90% of this $50,000, uh, uh, Mid First Bank, will allow you to get 90% of, of that 50,000, right? So not so you got what, 45,000? Because 90% of 50 is 45. You have access to $45,000 in cash. If this is the primary residence, meaning the house you actually live in. You have $45,000 in cash, and this is how people, and this is, this is how people build of wealth and real estate is they take this 45000 and they go find another house. Matter of fact, there's a house that just a four bedroom or two bath that was already rent ready or live in ready that just was sold for uh, 48000 It was listed for 45000 It's It listed because of so many offers on it listed, uh, it, it, they end up selling for 48000 All right, but so watch this. So if you go by, let's say if you have enough three thousand dollars sitting in your bank account, so you take the forty-five from here, and why well, I'm gonna keep it at forty-five? So it was a four-bedroom, two-bath in Oklahoma City for sale for for that for forty-five thousand dollars. All right, it was for sale for forty-five thousand dollars. So you take this forty-five thousand dollars because this is used as a collateral against your house anyway. You take this forty-five thousand dollars and you buy. This four bed, two bath house for forty five thousand. But watch this: when you buy it over here for forty five thousand dollars, there is no mortgage on this house. Because remember, you took it out of the exist existing equity over here on your own house. All right, so you got forty five thousand dollars that you just took and spent on this house right here, and you paid cash for it. So there's no mortgage on this house. So guess what happens? Here in Oklahoma, a section eight house, if you put on section eight, you have a four bedroom, two bath, section eight house, 
the monthly rent that you can make off of is thirteen oh eight. That's how much you can make. It's thirteen oh eight. So remember this: on forty five thousand uh, dollars, on forty five thousand dollars, because you took it out as a home equity line of credit. Let's say if you just pay the payment back of three fifty. Let's say you pay the payment back of three fifty. Went back old school on y'all, didn't I? Nine, nine fifty-eight. Your total after you paid your payment back for this forty-five thousand, you're still profiting nine hundred and fifty-eight dollars. Nine hundred and fifty-eight dollars a month. You just increase your. Go to your boss tomorrow and ask your boss, "Hey, can I get a nine hundred fifty-eight dollar monthly raise?" They're gonna let you look at you crazy. But this is one way you can do it. But and then guess what? Guess what happens now? You keep your credit good, you get it rented out, you can go back to the bank. Uh, some banks have a limitation. They may want you to own the house one year or two years, but there's other banks who don't have uh, how long you, they want you to, they don't have an eligibility requirement as to how long they want you to own the house, investment property. But you go back to the bank, because remember, you bought it with cash, right? So now you have something else in this house that we've been talking about. You have equity. So you have $45,000 equity in this house. And so guess what happens? You can borrow 80%, some banks 70%, 70 to 80% of the total value of this house, right? And so you go and you go find you another house. <laughs> you go find you another house. Let's say uh, 80% of that is what? Uh, let's say it's 80% of that. Let's say it's just, 45.8, you can easily go buy another house probably for $35,000, right? But if you're saving the money from here, there's 958 that you're doing, you can go buy you another $45,000 house. And you start building, I hope you see what I'm saying. You start building more income. You get another house, you may not be able to make, it may not be a four bedroom, maybe a three bedroom, and you may be making $900 a month off of it. But your mortgage on that, you probably still subtract about 350 because on $38,000 your uh your mortgage is going to be around that after tax and insurance 350 uh depend on interest rates in your area but here in Oklahoma City that's about how much you're going to pay. So you just you do that again. You got 650. Right? You got 958 over here and 650 over here, right? You looking at uh, over $1500 off of $1500. You do this four times you looking, if you're able to do these kind of, do two more of these deals, you created $3,000 in additional income. All because of something called equity and knowing how to use it. So, but this is the problem that a lot of us do. And the reason why we we don't do it is number one, because we don't know about it. Then number two, we in love with car notes too much. The average American pays for, for a used car, the average American pays $371 a month. 371 a month for a used car. All right? For a brand new car, the average American pays 515 a month. All right? So let's look at these numbers. 371, let's just round it up to 400. 12 times 4, it's a lot of math today, but it's okay. $4,800, because most car notes are about five years. All right? You look at this, you times it by five, 
because you got 12 months, $400, right? And you times this by five, you got what? That's what, $24,000? $24,000 for, for a car. That's why I think it's dangerous when people have these five-year car. I believe in buying cars that I can pay for cash for or, or you can buy a car that you can pay off real quick. Why is that? Because I want to get to equity. When I buy this car that's 20, when I spend 20, and that's not even including interest. When I buy a car, what it's gonna do is it's actually gonna depreciate in value. When I buy a house, it's gonna appreciate in value and I can make rental income off of it and that's gonna help me increase my income, right? But if you take the amount of money that you spend it on a car note, right? $24,000 not include interest, guess what? If Even if your credit was bad, if you went to a bank, it depends on how bad, but if you go to a bank and you say, I got $24,000 in cash, and the house that I'm trying to get is $45,000, they don't let you get it. You know why? Because they looking at how much you're putting towards it and it's not even as risky anymore because you putting so much up too. You see what I mean? And so uh, a lot of times they not gonna, when they see you putting that kind of money up, they gonna go ahead and let you get the loan. But I'm, I want you to see that a lot of times the reason why we're not successful financially is because we are putting our money towards the wrong thing. I see this mistake a lot. People put too much money onto cars to something that's just supposed to get you to point A to point B. And it's not wrong with having a new car. I ain't against having a new car. My thing is, what is your goal? Is your goal to be financially free? And if you already got a lot of money, big look, go get you whatever. But what I'm saying is, if you at the place where, where you say, I ain't got no money to invest, start looking at where you where you putting your money at. Because this is a common mistake most people make. Is that they put they money into a car, right? And one thing I did was I bought a car, I think it was $2,900. I, I think it was about $2,900. I bought the car for $2,900 and then, uh, of course it was, it was paid for. And then uh, uh, I did buy a, a car that I did have payments on, but after it was paid off, y'all, I didn't get another car. I didn't get, I, I got, I've had the same car now for 10 years. Right, and it's been running good, and I got it checked out before I bought it by a mechanic and all of this stuff. And the reason why I keep old, the same old car is because even if I want to buy a house and it takes a long time to get rented out, for the amount I'm paying for them, like $40,000 or so, the mortgage on it is going to be about three fifty dollars to $400. But again, if I don't have a car note, it doesn't matter because the $400 that was going to be going to a car note, it goes to the mortgage of a rental property until it, get, it gets rented out. And so, this is Marquise Miller signing off with you all. This is just one way to develop passive income. I know some people may know other ways. I don't know about the other ways. I know about this way. Is that this is a real viable thing and I wanna encourage you to get into home ownership. Own you a home. Start working on your credit if the credit is not right. Start finding ways to try to get rid of your car note. Uh, if that means that uh, you today say, hey man, my, I'm upside down on my loan. Well, if you can get it to, if you if you pay $20,000 for that car and you know it's only worth 15, if, if there's a way that we come into tax time right now, you drop you drop the 5,000 on there, on your car and get to 15 where it's maybe somebody will buy it. This is just things I'm thinking about, right? It's not something you have to do. But if you're trying to really go after financial freedom and being free financially and being able to start building a legacy and chart build some real wealth you're gonna to have to make sacrifices and start thinking outside the box 
because our the scripture says my people we suffer from a, from a lack of knowledge and the reason why is because we have rejected it so i hope you don't reject it and i hope you start teaching your kids about equity we know that uh money answers all things if it's a thing problem if it's something that you can physically touch if it's a thing money can answer that right and we know that the bar is slave to the lender and i don't want you to be the slave to anything other than jesus christ all right i'm signing off god bless you